Welcome to Human First. My name is David Tilston, and this podcast explores the methods, habits, and processes which allow us to excel as human beings. My aim is to utilize the experience and knowledge of experts from a wide range of different fields and to translate these into easy to follow principles that can be adopted by you to improve your life and those around you. On this episode, I welcome magician James Stock, also known as the Magic Marine. James is a former soldier and Royal Marines commando who has served in Iraq and Afghanistan, as well as spending the last two years of his service as a medic with the Special Boat Service. James goes into depth about his magic, performing to a number of well-known celebrities, preparing for his acts on Britain's Got Talent and the mental challenges he's experienced over the years. Let's get into it. James, great to have you on the podcast, buddy. Um, it's been a while and been keen to have you on here for months now. No, it's good to see you, man. And, and like I said, I was looking forward to actually having a face-to-face and hopefully at some point I'll be passing by and we can get a face-to-face and get get a coffee in and you know there's something especially over last year with uh, everything's been on the screen and you're doing your zoom meetings and virtual coffees all this sort of stuff but it's so nice actually seeing someone yeah mate I'll need to check out that that huge van that you're currently residing in right now (laughs) that palace obviously some people listening will probably know who you are um would you be able to give us just a a brief sort of rundown of your background, your time in the Marines, and what got you to become the Magic Marine. Super brief as a Royal Marine Commando. Um, I got into Magic whilst I was in the military, and it's something that I just kept coming back to. And over the years, I guess, naturally progressed to the point where people were asking me to come and do some magic at different events, Christmas parties, charity dinners, that sort of thing. And it was only really when I left um that I was then able to say yes to all like a lot more events and that it was a it was an unintentional transition from marine into magic like it, I didn't I didn't leave thinking right I'm going to follow this passion I'm going to uh you know yeah become a magician but it just it was I was all of a sudden in a position where I had ultimate freedom and flexibility and I could say yes to events and that in turn then it just built itself uh I never I never really drove it uh, but every gig I did I would then get follow-up messages saying hey can you come and do some magic at my event and and then that built and built um did Britain's Got Talent last year went through to the semi-finals um and then yeah a lot of events kind of got cancelled with the lockdown um and for me like this this last year has been really a year of developing me and that's important. It's very easy to get caught up in our trade, isn't it? Or our the things that we find we're passionate about. But sometimes we need to remember that we're we're there on the internal. We need to deal with these these daily processes. We need to look after ourselves and make sure we're healthy enough to to be able to pursue these things. I felt like the lockdown was enforced rest, and I think it definitely came at a time when I needed it. I'd been saying yes to to a lot of events, and I spent a lot of time on the road. I still do now. I spent a lot of time on the road driving literally figure of eights around the UK. And it was like, it, I just ran myself into the ground with it. It put a lot of pressure on relationships. It was, it was too much. So when, when the lockdown happened, it was literally like, yeah, just this enforced rest. Didn't have to do anything. <laughs> and it was, and we had fantastic weather. Um, as as super lucky with where I was based and me and my bro just were training every day and being outside and it was good for me. 
So you found it beneficial for you personally, of course. Yeah, definitely. It was, and I felt obviously there's part of me that kind of felt bad because I know I know people were struggling, and it's always that you feel a little bit guilty that I'm actually enjoying this. But it was definitely a good thing for for me. The way I see that as well, because I, I felt quite similar to you, uh, where I could actually stop traveling because traveling was a huge thing for me. I was traveling three or four times a year abroad, and then obviously drive around the country to to various coaching. Um, the way I see that approach is that sometimes some of us need to come up when others are down and then I'm sure at some point we'll switch. It's almost like you give someone a hand up when they're low. Things naturally take turns. I think things are like a wave. Um, we go to highs and lows and that's just life. And some people do well in busy environments. Some people like to be isolated, but it's all good. That's why we're individuals, but still collectively human beings and I think that's something that's really important too and especially in the military I mean it's something I used to see although um, guys would would take the piss but really they're always there so it's you get taken the mick out for for being a bit low it's like oh mate I get the smallest violin in the world out for you and all this sort of stuff but then you knew the banter was there for a reason they were always there to give you a hand up and I used to find in that environment people did take turns it was like a relationship in some way um just with some hairier, uglier people. <laughs> do you think the reason for driving around so much was because you sort of do miss a little bit of the core mentality, being with the lads? Yeah, I'm looking now at moving to the southwest to be around the lads. I'm, I moved to York in April this year, uh, and it just dawned on me instantly that I'm not going to be able to build a social circle like the the tribe I've already got down you know I joined a, a BJJ gym uh, I joined a, a normal gym and I thought right I'll, I'll I'll create create a tribe here and actually I was just kind of a bit lonely and and it I thought I, no, I need to I need to head down to the to the southwest so yeah I do I do miss the lads I was lucky with being driving around the country yeah I was able to stop and and see the guys you know, and it, I sort of saw the same thing. You get a lot of guys who it comes to the the end of the time they leave the military, they bomb burst throughout the country, and then kind of almost set up just lonely and isolated, doing their own thing, maybe doing some PT, maybe doing some security, but essentially just kind of lonely. And I felt in a privileged position that I was able to go and have. I, I created a group wets and dits where I could, you know, like let, lads, let's just like everyone's missing each other. But I felt I was in this privileged position where I was traveling a lot. So it was it was no no hassle to me just to dog leg round and stop off, yeah, to get a coffee and have a chat, which I think is we it's something we definitely need. And and maybe maybe it's because I've traveled less recently that I've then I've then realized, oh, I am missing the lads, I need to move to the southwest. Yeah, the southwest of England for those listening abroad as well is a bit of a hub for Royal Marines tends to sort of there's quite a few how do you say people will be able to relate to this more sort of bases around there uh, a lot of people live in that area sort of the main commander training centers down there and various units as well so yeah I mean I get it as well I went through a period when I left the military and joined joined the fire service and bumped into uh, another ex-war marine there was a comment made <laughs> I won't I won't repeat it there was a comment made in one of the lectures and I turned and I thought, oh God, here's another one. And we're still really good mates to this day. So it's almost like I stepped out of the military and always gravitated back to wanting to be with the lads. It's like different walks of life, being involved with the natural edge and various other sort of ventures. 
keep getting drawn back to Royal Marines. It's, uh, it, I think life just has it. Even when you go on holiday, all of a sudden you just see a random tattoo and you go, oh God. <laughs> and that's it. You're lost for hours um, just in some random banter. I've got some Marine mates now who we never, we never served together. And it, it is literally that you see them and you go, you're a bootneck, <laughs> you're a Marine. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, mate. And then it's like, you just, it, <laughs> It's, it's such a strange thing. Yeah. It's, um... it's a good thing. And, and the reason I've always put it down to, I'm sure many have drawn this conclusion, is that we've all been through something very similar. Uh, training eight months, 12 months, however long it took to people, you've gone through that. So you've been through a struggle. Um, and then you will have deployed and learned certain phrases, been through certain things, certain types of sense of humor. It's something I actually found when I left. The sense of humor was so good about everything no matter how bad the scenario that when I left something that I really struggled with was how serious life felt and I had to remind myself that my granddad always said like laugh at yourself daily like always laugh at yourself because if you can do that then life's going to be good but if you always take yourself seriously then you're always going to find like the worst case scenario you're never going to be able to take yourself lightly and that's what I realized in the military. It was there all the time, even in contact or um, something horrendous had happened. That humor would still come out and you'd go, God, that's like, how, how is this humor even, even around at this time? But it's so important. And unless you're in that environment, sometimes it doesn't really make sense, does it? I think, I think the level of stress would just be overwhelming. It'd be crippling. If you, if you looked at the reality of the situation, yeah, you will have had no doubt times where rounds are like hitting into the wall behind you and you're like shit how how are they not hitting me <laughs> like it's absolutely ridiculous and like i i laugh at it now when i think of the situations i've been in where branches in the trees are dropping down like rounds are just pinging everywhere but for some ridiculous reason like <laughs> no one's getting hit and it's just it's yeah it was um me and one lad we're, we're sat like on the edge of a wadi on the edge of a stream and like a sniper round went and hit the compound between the two of us and me and him looked look, like we just looked at each other and just like like sank down into the street We're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's mental we uh we could easily turn this this podcast episode into a series of stories from the military but it's it's, it's good it's good i mean I, I think as well it brings a a reality to these things as well and i think it draws a significant contrast of why sometimes people crave that experience again some people say well why would you want to go back to that because the 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 level that you're tested at as a human being mentally and physically is so far up there it doesn't really get any more extreme than that so when you then come down to i'd say a level of normality which is obviously very subjective you, you you can find it quite hard because your range is operating every day between like a zero and 10 instead of zero and a hundred. So you have to find these passions in other things. You have to find an interest in something else. Did you find that's what magic did for you? That it gave you a focus, something to be passionate about? Uh, magic was definitely an escape, but I agree with what you're saying there. And I think there's there's definitely two elements about being on operations one, it's a, it's a lot simpler sort of life. You go out, you scrap, you come back in. And it's just a life, life, normal life is, is complicated. 
And the other thing is when you're in that situation where you're in contact, you can't be anything else but present. You have to be right there in the moment. And it's very hard to access or, or we find it very hard to access this this being in the present because we get lost in our head. So back here, we're always thinking about, right, I need to do this, I need to do that. We, what we've done, you know, what we've got to do, uh, what have we done in the past? And we, we're lost in our head. But out, out on tour, you, you've got, you access this, the now very easily because you have to. Um, and it's a sim- simpler life. And then going on to yeah, your question there about the magic, it wasn't something that I had realised until I was, as I was leaving the core, I went and worked out in the Pyrenees at like an adventure place. And I was up one night chatting to the, the clients who'd come to do some climbing and that sort of stuff. And as we're talking, they, they were interested. They were asking me about Afghan and, and Iraq. And I'd been doing magic and I had the cards and a guy just pinged it straight, straight away. He said, every time you're talking about Afghan, you're cutting and shuffling cutting and shuffling and, re- and it's like i never realized it but i was channeling that kind of like like you was mentioned before you just pushed yourself into fizz into cycling just getting on that bike and just beasting it i don't know if i was you know there's definitely an element there where this focus and this release going into the magic but yeah i mean the other elements is i'd, I'd always been fascinated by it as a kid but never did anything with it because as a kid, I was I was one of the youngest in the year, born at the end of July. Uh, so I was one of the smallest. And I didn't want to then, like back then, magic was was weird and geeky. And I think Dynamo did a great job of kind of making magic cool, taking it on the streets, wearing a hoodie, um, just doing doing that sort of. But back then, like I, I was this skinny little kid. I didn't want to be doing anything else that would then make me <laughs> even more weird than I already was. Yeah, I, I know the escapism is something uh, I've talked about in other episodes with people, and I think everyone has a form of escapism at some point in their life. For many people, it's just being at work. It's just going to work every day and pretending that something isn't going on. So sometimes we have to step back and actually address it. And it's it's fortunate that we have people that point these things out sometimes and say, you're shuffling cards every time you talk about something or you twitch or you touch a certain part like your ear every time you, you get nervous about a certain scenario and it's these things come up for a reason and mentors are great for that to be able to say i've been there i know this you need to work on this mate because it's gonna it's gonna get you at some point it's gonna uh challenge you if you don't deal with it incrementally every day and we, we were talking before we were obviously saying about like if you don't if you don't deal with something if you don't take action that it can be an issue and I mean, have you found times where you've been lower over the last, it doesn't have to be the last two years, it could be the last 10 or even since you left the Marines. Has that been something that's challenged you? Uh, literally the last, I'd say the last month, I think in the, within the last month, last two months, has been one of the lowest, lowest points that I've been at. And it's been, it's been strange. And it's, you know, this is, I'm getting baffled to why I am so low, so miserable. Um, I, I, I mean, I can, I, I know, I, I do know why. It's, I've not gone through any like significant trauma. You know, I've had some, some real bad situations in the past where that that hit me hard. But this just recently, and there's been at least two occasions, probably in the last month, where 
I, I've, I just can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm in bed. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I, I know Chris Williamson uh, talks about in his modern, modern wisdom podcast about the crushing weight of existence. And it's like, there's nothing wrong. I just, I'm done. I'm completely exhausted. And, um, and if I, if I sit there, you can't think your way out of it. And this is what I sent you there. You've got to implement action. And one thing that I've kept consistent for over a year now um, is every single morning I'm up and I'm out and I run back in cold shower. So this, this get up and at it mentality and a cold shower I've, I've been consistent with. And do, do you know what? The last, so I've just come back to the UK uh, from Portugal in the, in the van. I, I landed back Sunday night, Portsmouth. It was freezing. It was so cold. And I, I broke, I broke the next day. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm going to go to pure gym and I'm going to have a hot shower. And I got to pure gym. I, I'd completely broken and I didn't have access to that gym. And I was like, I've got to bite the bullet. <laughs> Let's get running. So then I just ran and cold showered. And then it made this morning. Ah, oh, this morning was exactly the same. And again, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I broke again. I'm going to go get that hot shower. I went to Camberley and there's, I'm in this massive van and the, the parking for Pure Gym at Camberley is like a, a car, like a multi-story car park. I couldn't get the van in. And I was like, mate, it's cold shower time. <laughs> I can't, I can't get out of it. It's not surprising though. It's this, there's many things. I also get it this time of year. I was used to traveling abroad. Every time the sun started to drop, UV started to drop in the UK. I was like, right, boom, holiday or I'd normally a retreat every October or an event abroad. And then in the January, we'd always go, go away on holiday. But life's a bit different with children, a little bit more technical, but obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And I think the other thing is we do absorb a lot. Even if we don't watch the news, we do absorb a lot of this stuff that's going on right now. So the winter, the cold, compile with all of this, uncertainty of what lies ahead, uh, stability. This is all things that we seek as human beings. We want to know that we're going to wake up tomorrow and tomorrow is going to be good. So if it's not, then that can lead us to stuff. But did we ever, like on conflict, you'd wake up in the morning and you wouldn't know what, what the hell was coming the following day. It was so so random. You might have a projection of what patrols you're going to do for the next two weeks if you're working out of a forward operating base. But apart from that, you didn't know if you're going to get attacked in the middle of the night or a Chinese rocket or whatever it might be. So yeah, the way I see it now is ups and downs are normal. If you, if you look at a lot of sort of ancient texts and belief systems, it's that life does involve suffering and the suffering is part of it. The suck is part of every day. It's just how it is. And if you start the day saying, you know what, there's going to be challenges today and it's going to be testing at times, but I'm going to get out and go to it and sort of take it to the day without being chad about it, but literally getting up and getting out and getting in the cold shower. You said, I'm in control of this because I'm dictating what happens in my day, not the day dictating what happens in my life, because it's very easy to let things happen that way. I think the more commitments you have as well, the more important that becomes. Because otherwise, actually saying that on both sides, if you don't have anything to do in the day, it's important to go and do stuff. But equally, if you've got a lot of things happening in your day, it's very easy to let that day run away with you. And then you go to the, you get to eight o'clock at night and you go, damn it, I didn't even do any fitness. I didn't, didn't go where I wanted to. didn't see any friends today. It's always that grass is greener thing as well, isn't it? When you don't travel, you want to travel. 
And then when when you're traveling all the time, you just want to sit still. And I think it's always going to be that balance. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Aurelius said that about sending your mind forward into the day ahead of you and just acknowledging that you will encounter difficulties. I've forgotten who was saying it, but just he was saying um, something along the lines of, not not Marcus Aurelius, no, someone else. uh, He was saying something along the lines of how angry people are just naively optimistic you know the person who's getting road rage genuinely didn't re- didn't think that they'd get stuck in traffic or they didn't think someone would cut them up or something like that and it just these angry naively off- optimistic people that didn't think they would lose their car keys or they didn't you know and it's <laughs> like, i can't believe this is happening to me of course it's happening to you and i think yeah exactly what you're saying there just just kind of casting your mind forward into the day acknowledging that there's going to be a few kind of curveballs come come your way that you'll have to deal with. But then also, yeah, exa- exactly that, just taking taking ownership of the day and going, right, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do this. So my my days are very loose, and that's why I had to start in implementing my own discipline because it was, it was not good for me to have endless days of nothing. So I just, and that's why I had to, and that's why I started with the morning routine. Um, and I've been so... It's a non-negotiable. Like I, I have to do it, even as much as I drag my heels. And it's, it's just easier just to get straight on with it because it's like I said, the last two mornings I've tried to, I've tried to duck out of it. It's not happening. You know, tomorrow morning I'll be hitting that tarmac as soon as I wake up, and I'll just be, <laughs> I'll be getting at it. It's always the way, though, isn't it? We used to, for those who don't know, in in the the Marines, you, most most military sort of units or forces you turn to in the morning you do fizz so fitness or you get some other form of order but generally for us it was always fitness was sort of happening twice a day uh, normally individual fitness and, and group fitness and that routine was just part of how it was it was every day you do training when i lived in thailand that was a lot more chilled out at times on living on a tropical beach and all the rest of it so that was where i had to implement more structure and it did mean waking up at 4 a.m so I was getting up at 4 a.m. every day to do my yoga practice. And then I'd go and train for an hour and a half, some form of weight training. And then I'd then join them for the rest of work, starting at 6.30 or 7 a.m. But it did mean getting up in the pitch black, and it's not easy. But I guarantee what I will say to people I work with, if you can get up in the dark when it's cold, when it gets to the summer, it will be so easy that it will be a no-brainer. But if you don't put the work in in the cold months when it's horrible, you don't want to get up out of bed, that's that's where the resilience is made. That's where the training really starts. That's what tests you. And can you can you do it? Yeah, so something Jay Morton said, and I think it was with regards to the cold shower or the cold immersion, and it was just you never want to do it, but you never regret doing it. And that's, that's the same thing. My cold shower every morning, I never want to do it, but I never regret doing that. That flush, that buzz after it, it just um, you just feel so so good. And I think it applies to a lot of things. I mean, it's it's summed up very nicely with anticipation is worse than participation. And the longer that you think about a task that you've got ahead of you, the more that you will, you know. <laughs> and that, and that's that's the reason I'm one of the reasons I'm called Sean is that the little bitch voice that says, "Oh, just put it on hot shower. Oh, just do it tomorrow. Just do it." And it's like you were not any help to me so i mean like tony robbins said he's he's like you know with his massive voice with his massive joys like <laughs> you know 
I'm not, I'm not going to debate with you. You know, like he has his cold plunge <laughs> ball. And it's, like, it's just not even open for discussion. You have, and it's, I guess, just shining that light on that little voice that's, that's kind of chirping away incessantly in the background about everything, you know, and it's, um, yeah. it's not going to help. But we've mistaken the voice that warns us of danger as the overriding voice for health. And this is the, the way I see things now is that little voice is there to say, just check in, is this okay? Primordial senses to say, just check in, mate, that it's not going to hurt you or this isn't going to kill you if you do this. So it's not freezing cold that you're going to just go down after three minutes. Equally, I find in the winter in the sea, I just keep walking. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Oh, okay, now now I'm up to my shoulders. That wasn't too hard. But like you said, antici- anticipation is one of the worst things that you can continue to do because it builds. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you add more things in to the to the point where you say, yeah, it's probably not good for me today. No, 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 I'll, I'll just do it tomorrow. I always remember that quote from Rocky. And I'm sure I'm sure for any any guys listening, they probably watch Rocky and repeat. You always said, there is no tomorrow, Rock. There is no tomorrow. And I know it sounds chad, but sometimes you have to remind yourself of these little comments because it's true. If you don't sort today out, well, who knows? It's not it's not a given. It's, it's far too easy to get lost in your mind, debating, deliberating, going round and round. And essentially, you've just got to take action. And it's 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 with everything. So for me, especially like the last two mornings, I'm there driving around trying to find a pure gym to get a hot shine. It's like, just take the action. But it can be anything. You you might have an email to write. You might have, uh, you know, I'll do that later. I'll get a coffee for it. And it's just, as soon as you just start doing it, it, it's never that bad. Like classic one for me is tax returns. And I put it off and put it off and like drag my heels. I'm the worst for it. And then it's like, you almost have to like coach yourself like you're a little kid. My, my brother says, that you, you sort of talk to yourself like a little to- toddler like well can we sit down at the desk we can do that well you know like break it down into those micro steps what can you do because we always look at tasks as the big overwhelming things but you break it down can you sit down can you get the, some some receipts out yeah i can do that like well done and then reward yourself we always we have a we have an expectation of ourselves and we never meet it we're always falling short and then we're always berating ourselves on the gap instead of praising and rewarding ourselves for the work that we've done. Um, and it's like, good effort. You got up, you went for a run this morning. Yes, I know it wasn't a 10 miler. I know it was, like you ran for two minutes, just like we said before, like with James Clear, two minute rule, just scale back, do what you can do and just build the consistency because it's those, yeah, 1% incremental gains. Yeah, and it's removing those barriers as well that, but- could be an issue like preparing kit the night before or mentally even just saying tomorrow I will do this this and this or that reminders list or something to say my day is going to look like this so mentally you're ready when you wake up because if you wake up and you go well well actually hold on a sec I've got no kit ready it's still filthy from yesterday it's wet all the rest of it it's going to make it that much harder to even access the first two minutes so it's really about stepping back and preparing for the next thing and Preparation of kit is huge and we, we seriously underestimate it until we need something. It, it's like if you don't put something away properly, you might spend two hours looking for that one thing. And how annoying is that? It's the worst thing when you need to run out the door and you can't find something. So last night we spent two hours organizing one drawer and it's stupid. It, like it, it, Sometimes it feels like it's like, oh God, these things are just taking up 
time, but you realize but putting in a short-term sacrifice normally leads to a long-term gain, and especially when you need it. Uh, and you can even relate that to, to cleaning a rifle. If you don't clean it, it could jam up when you need it the most. And that's the way I see these things as well. Uh, even though they're not as life-threatening, but it still causes issues. And when you have a lot of those issues, it does become mentally challenging for sure. I think it's, yeah, life is life can be hard. And if you could streamline good behaviours and put friction between you and bad behaviours, so having a kit ready there, so as soon as you wake up, it's laid out and you just put it on. It's, you've got to really try and make it as easy as possible to do the stuff that you need to do and make it as hard as possible you know, put friction between, uh, like if if I had, if I went and bought a load of chocolate and then sat it on the side of the van, it'd be gone, like 100%, like throw it away in a drawer yeah. and then I'll forget. And it's it's that if you're having a problem because you just keep snacking, just go put those snacks in the boot of the car, lock it, go put the key in your loft, like you, you're not going to eat them. It's, it's going to be just because we're lazy. We can't, we can't be asked to like go through that. That F is like, oh, I, I know I've got some chocolate, but it's out in the boot of my car. So a classic one with, with my phone, when, when I'm not in the van, when I'm in a house, I got into this habit of turning my phone off, leaving it in the kitchen. And then when I'm upstairs, I'm, I'm going to bed. Then it's like, oh, I want to look at this. I want to check something. I want to, and, he, and it's like, I can't be bothered to go downstairs and turn my phone back on. And it's, whereas if I had it with me, I, I'd just be on it straight away. Yeah, phone, phones are a big thing. Uh, it talks about a lot. I mean, the, the hijacking many of our hormonal systems consistently uh, to get us to buy things and, and keep us engaged and, in my opinion, distracted from, from other things as well. And I think going back to something you said earlier, you were saying something about being in the car and obviously having an expectation of not running into traffic. And expectation is one of the things I, ident I identified and also one of my teachers also pointed out to me that it was probably one of the biggest barriers I had I expected to leave the military and get a job. I expected to be be good at particular things or I expected life to go the way I thought it would, but it never did. And I had to work harder for it. But the barrier wasn't what I'd attained in the past. It was more the expectation of what I expected for my future. Did you berate yourself on not meeting those expectations? You had this expectation to come out, get a job, and, and then that didn't happen. Were you overly self Like I found this for me, like I, I'd be like, I get overly self-critical and go, are you shit? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? Things don't go the way we expect them to do. Yeah, I think coming from a military force where you have to be that bit better, you're doing longer training, you're doing quite an arduous training process. To, to get into that, you, you have the mentality, and it's something that was always drummed into us, wasn't it? That you, you are good. You you are here for a reason. You you are one of the elite to, to get into this level. And obviously there's, there's further levels beyond that. But I think you take that mentality out, you, you almost feel invincible and you feel like you, you can walk into a job and you can instantly say, well, I've come from this background, so am I at the top of the list? And being a naive 22-year-old, 23-year-old, 23 when I left, yeah, maybe I did walk into a few jobs and thought, yeah, I should get this on paper because I'd like to think that the standards of people that have been in this situation before me um, have, have really elevated the status of, say, the Royal Marines, where you could have uh, some kudos walking into a place. But it didn't work that way. Like I spent, um, what, nearly four months unemployed. I, I was losing 
got at one point fifteen hundred pound a month in the negative just every month uh, I was just basically looking for everything I could I was working every hour that I could working basically just over minimum wage it doesn't sound like a good job that one no it wasn't what do you want me <laughs> I worked in the supplement shop uh sports supplement shop so i I was um stacked that was about it <laughs> I had about twenty five kilos of whey protein powder in every supplement under the sun because it was a massive staff discount. But um, yeah, money-wise, not much of it. But like, like I said, like expectation is something that in a relationship people expect, even if you go down to your daily habits, sometimes people expect the food to be on the table. If it's not on the table, why is my food ready? And that is because you expected something to happen that didn't. And to, to project that onto someone else, that's when issues occur. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I worked with you on a on a film set a few years ago. From what I saw of you, uh, as well as doing tricks to, to Gerald Butler and a few others that you managed to, from what I could see, it was mainly sort of smaller tricks, like person-to-person tricks that potentially you were doing in the military as well. You were starting to learn those sorts of things around that time. Did you find that Britain's Got Talent was a very different experience because it was a large audience, it was very big, everything was sort of expanded upon? Um, did you feel it was a challenge? I was out of my comfort zone. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a completely different sort of magic. Yeah, my, my magic is close up, a lot of cards and engagement with the audience, like a very, almost like a personal show, small group of people. And I, I want them to watch and to be amazed by it and just like, wow, like, how is he doing that? And then going into, yeah, Britain's Got Time, that's the first time really that I'd done stage magic. And obviously the biggest audience, I think it's like, 2000 people or something like that and I didn't even know like I thought I was having a rehearsal first for the trick so I was in Blackpool on the Friday um running through and and I said oh so I'm in Manchester on Wednesday is that is that going to be mock judges and and the guy said no like next week you're in front of Simon Cowell and 2000 people and I, I was like what so for like a yeah for a for that week, I, I was I was out of my comfort zone, and again, just really having to implement the things that that I know that I need to do, so like visualization or meditation, trying to because it was it was very daunting going out there, and I, I didn't know how it was going to go. And when I first walked out on stage, I was just eyeballing Simon Cowell because I thought I've, I've just got to keep focused. I was running through the script in my mind, and I I thought I'm just going to have to roll roll through this. So it was. It was very different. I was massively out of my comfort zone, uh, but it was a great experience as well. Did they say this would work for the stage and this wouldn't, and this needs to be bigger? Or they helped me a lot, and it was we we had a lot of back and forth. So for me, like my I guess my identity, and probably the same as you, like my my identity is is the Marines. The Marines really built a solid foundation for me, and and I, <laughs> I love the core. Uh, so I, I I really wanted to inject this into the magic as well. And that's why on the first routine that I did with Simon Cowell, uh, I used my commando dagger. And it's like, it's it's my commando dagger that I got at Limston when I passed out of training. I took it to Afghan. You'll see photos of me out in Afghan. It's down the front of my body armor. It's like, it's like my commando dagger. And I, I really, I was really, yeah, pleased, I guess, to get this into the routine. Um, and we did have, we did have back and forth. Uh, when it came to the semi-finals, I was I was really keen to do this sick routine, <laughs> and and they were not keen for me to do it. 
so it it was it was guided a little bit, but they did they did help me a lot. What is the um obviously if you don't want to say don't say, but what what did the routine entail to some degree? I don't want to give it away. No, it would be um <laughs> it was gonna be like it was gonna be this kind of bullet catch scenario, but it was gonna be a transposition trick as well. So at the moment at the moment of the shooter firing the shot there's then a vanish and then I'm the shooter. So it was, I just really wanted this kind of, I wanted to put this twist on it. I think you need to go back on. <laughs> I need to see it. Go back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, no, they don't want guns uh, on TV. But yeah. Crossbow? Yeah, yeah. I think you can do a crossbow, but now the catch is a little bit harder. But yeah, I did. I did. But there's a magic advisor who was working with me uh, and who developed the the routines with me uh, and initially with the box routine I was really not a fan of the the app that I did in the semi-finals I felt like it wasn't it wasn't strong enough and it didn't have enough depth to it and so me and my brother my brother helps me a lot we we just chatted it through and that's why we put we put in the photo of my grandfather we had we had dog tags in there and like a number of predictions just trying to add more depth to yeah. the the routine because I wasn't I didn't want to be in a box. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's got to be challenging, especially when I've seen it before when I've turned up at events, not to this level with that sort of amount of people watching, especially because there's millions of people watching on TV as well, is that when you go to a certain workshop, you might have a specific expectation, funny enough, again, of, of what you're going to do. But the, the environment or the people that attend dictate something needs to be different. So you need to think on your feet. You need to think quite quickly to change things up. But I think it's always important that you keep your spin on it. It's always important that you maintain your integrity and your ethos towards these things because it's very easy to get carried away with just following and doing what everyone else does. So I think it's good that you, you could add those things in. I think that did add to the act for sure. Yeah. I mean, at the at the end, like for safety, they were going to lock off. So uh, for anyone who's not seen the routine, there's there's five boxes on stage with with a big pallet of weight above each box and basically the judges choose a color which reveals a number and then they press that and it releases the weight and crushes the box below um and initially we we wanted for for safety to have the weight above my box locked off so there was no risk of it dropping on on me and then um and then i overheard the director saying no no like at the end i want that dropping to show that there is like no safety and I heard the magic advisor saying to someone else, like, oh, I, I wouldn't do it. You know, and I was like, am I meant, like, wait, at what point do I say, I'm not happy with this? <laughs> and I think I kind of said, like, well, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm happy with this. And I don't know if you've seen the routine, but at the end, the, the, the table that my box is on doesn't go through. And that's, that's purely because the table was reinforced for the weight of me so that it didn't, I didn't break the table. Um, so it's got it's not not part of the routine, but yeah, they released that box right at the end, and that's why uh, yeah, Ashivan just sort of says, "Oh, I was going to press a different one," and, I, and I'm there smiling like, "Yeah, I'm glad you didn't," <laughs> because you know, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. The weights weren't like it wasn't like an exaggerated amount of weight, but it, it I didn't want it falling on me. It was enough to hurt. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so who else have you? Yeah, this is where you just name drop, get them in there. Um, who've you who've you worked with in the past? I think it's. I, I've seen who you've worked with and it's always fascinates me to find out where you've ended up and how you sort of worked your magic in there literally to sort of meet these people. So yeah, go for it. 
man, I, I can't believe it. And if someone had said to me, like 2018 was like a real big year for meeting these cool people. But if someone had said to me the year before, you will be in front of and performing to these people, I would say it wouldn't it wouldn't be possible. And and it, literally in a space of a week, I performed to a lot of them. So and I, I would have said, well, you wouldn't you wouldn't have those people all together in the set, you know, in the space of a week. It, it's not possible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've had Jason Momoa and Martin Ford, Real Deal Mother, Angelina Jolie, Orlando Bloom, obviously with Gerard Butler, uh, Tom Hardy, who I think is a legend. Yeah, I'm, I'd have to look look through my photos, but it's like I found it unbelievable. Like, how am I how am I standing here doing magic for these people? And it's just the things have aligned and it's it's happened. But yeah, I've been super super privileged with with who I've been able to be in front of. I love performing to Jason Momoa. Like, I thought he's he's yeah. Well, all of them, all of them, absolutely awesome. Yeah, I I think people appreciate we all appreciate good things regardless of status regardless of and what i mean by that cultural public status just because you're a film star doesn't mean you don't appreciate good magic or good art you're gonna sit and watch the same performance and still react the same any any human would if you saw these things but yeah it's um it's always great to see reactions i'm sure like time with them how, how did you meet angelina and orlando was that on a film set so Angelina was, yeah, that was film set again. Uh, that's where Maleficent, uh, Maleficent 2. Uh, Orlando, I went to watch him. Uh, so it's through a fantastic woman called Claire Pretty who works for Bremont and they've, they've really helped me. She got me tickets to Orlando Bloom when he was performing at theatre in London and then afterwards just got chatting to him. It was, it was I'd been approached by a film company because they were looking for like a veteran, like a veteran medic, essentially, for this film. It's, I don't think it's out yet, but Orlando Bloom uh, is in it. And it's out in Afghan, this this sort of sketch. And I'd, I'd gone down for it and they said, like, <laughs> I looked too old. I didn't get, didn't get the job. But it would have been really cool if I'd then been working working with him on that. And I sort of mentioned that to him. But yeah, yeah. So, so there was two separate occasions. And Tom Hardy's involved with Reorg, and is, is he into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well? Is that some? Is that another way you guys met? Yeah, like he, we we haven't met at Jiu-Jitsu, but yeah, he's he's an ambassador for Reorg and does a lot of a lot of work for them and trains. You know, he trains really hard. Um, I think so. When I when I left the the Marines and went into doing magic, I was invited to. Uh, the Bremont boutique. So Bremont is uh, they're they're bringing watchmaking back to Britain, and like they say, it's not it, it's not called Geneva meantime. You know, it's Greenwich meantime. Bringing watchmaking back to England, and it's they they're just fantastic. And the, it's these overlapping circles where you have Bremont, you've got Foxy Jason Fox involved, you've got the Through Dark Boys and Nims, and I just found myself <laughs> kind of like moving around doing doing my magic. Yeah, I was, I was very yeah again very privileged to be to be at, at different events for these guys. This episode is sponsored by Ape Nutrition. I'm using a number of their products, including the colostrum, the organ capsules, and the fat packs, especially for when I'm traveling. To find out more, head to apenutrition.co.uk and use the code HUMAN, that is H-U-M-A-N, at the checkout to save 10%. What's one of the moments that you, you really sit back on or you reflect on daily and you think, well, that was 
probably one of my favorite experiences that I've had. Or is there any particular trick that you just love to perform? Obviously, talking about the trick and none of the secrets, which I know all magicians, are. <laughs> no one talks about the way it's done. Off the top of my head now, you're asking me that question. I'm thinking to the time that as as performing to Jason Momoa, as with a, a real good mate of mine, Junior, who's a big, big Marine. He sort of facilitated all. He, he was at the pub. He's like, hey, just come down here now. <laughs> bring your card sort of thing he sort of made that happen really so it's just a real you know such a good day i have had some some great experiences with the magic but nothing nothing that i man i've i've fallen out of love with the magic so it's a it is a tricky one in what way i think i think i ran it into the ground by just it put too much pressure on on aspects of my life i've i've separated from my partner and definitely the magic was you know contributing factor to to that being away all the time being at these events uh you know she wasn't happy with it so it's not that i resent the magic i I don't know what it is i don't know (laughs) like this year has been a funny year and i've been trying to sit with this feeling of unease that i have inside me and trying to just work out what's going on because i have i have now created this identity of the magic marine so like magic still needs to be a part of my life and it, it still will be a part of my life, but it's, I think, I think it's, I now just need to be more selective which, with which events I do and not run myself into the ground trying to do those events. You know, if it's, I always looked at financial cost and I didn't look at energy cost and time cost. And I think they're, they're, they're more important than the money. You know, if it's going to burn you out, and exhaust you and take up too much of your time trying to do an event then you've you've got to you've got to say no to it i've done the same in the last especially the last two years um with the added yeah commitments as a father so just saying no do you know what i'm not doing it and generally the the reason is because i don't want to and it's that's something I've had to get really comfortable with because I took every job under the sun at one point because I felt like I had to. And then I got to a point where I thought, do you know what? It's um, I need to enjoy this experience or, or I will. Yeah, I, I might start resenting the thing that I love. I think that's what happens to a lot of teachers who teach, who train or they teach their their passion. So you find it with like hand balances or yoga teachers or in my circle that if they do something every day, for their own practice, but then they end up teaching it six hours a day. They stop practicing all of a sudden and they go, do you know what? I don't enjoy this anymore because it's become a business. It's become, we're not these things. It's just something we do. Um, what I'd always say is finding a sustainable ground. Cause if you love it deep down, you do, but those other thoughts sort of cloud your judgment. Two events that I've done. I've really just tried to, so I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'd berate myself a lot. Uh, so there's a lot of self-inflicted pressure of where I felt I should be and where I was at the level of performing. Like I, I would think I should be better than this. I should be doing these routines. Yeah. So the last two events, I've really just tried to ease up and and to get enjoyment from it and to be more, again, be more present in the moment because I'll get lost because I've, I've performed these routines a lot of times. I, I sometimes I'll be going through a script. And I just need to bring myself back and be present and look at the people I'm performing to. You know, it, it happened often, like a lot of times, I, I would not see people reacting and I would maybe watch a video, someone's filmed it, 
or my brothers filmed it and I'd be watching I'd be watching people react and I'd be like wow they're they're really enjoying that they're you know and it's I wasn't seeing it so really just trying to bring myself back back to the present look at the people I'm performing to and get get the enjoyment from them enjoying what I'm doing if that makes sense I see this at concerts so when I go to a concert of any type or a show I won't get my phone out because I look around and now whereas you go back 20 years ago people were all sat there you might have one person that gets the old phone out who has the capability of even recording something decent but everyone else was just watching and they're actually absorbed especially with like a comedian you need to be absorbed in the moment to get the joke but so many people are videoing it to do what with it to never watch it again or to show someone else the experience that you had but didn't actually experience yourself how crazy is that now i will have people say to me oh do you mind if i film it and i'll i will normally say to them hey you just watch it just enjoy it you know because i know that if they're going to film it they're not going to be engaged in the routine if they're not engaged it's not going to be as impactful and then also with with magic especially a lot of the magic is then in the retelling and they go tell their mates man oh, this this bloke did this and he did this and it's like they're getting excited and they want to share that excitement. They want to, and, and they will exaggerate it because they want their mate to believe that this guy was incredible. And then I hear like, oh, I heard you did this and heard you do that. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. Like it's, it's not, it's not about, oh, I don't want you to film it and watch it back and work out how to, like, I could tell you how I've done it. Like what I want you to enjoy the process and to, and, and for them to be present. Yeah. For them to be present in, in it some of the best people in, in history, some of the most profound storytellers, it's the way they've got the message across. That's what's made the book so incredible. Like you could write down the facts of what happened in the book, but it doesn't mean it reads well. It doesn't mean you experience it. Went, oh, that was incredible. Well, that film was unbelievable. Like people retell the same story in different films. One's horrendous. The other one's incredible. Why? Because someone's had a vision and the way they've communicated that story is so much better. But you have to watch it. You have to sort of take it in. Because if you don't experience something, what, what else is there? Like, like you were saying about money versus time and experience. You can't get time back as far as we know. Money you can make. You know, we know we can make money. But even I'm sure you'll reflect on spending time this month when you felt a bit lower. Guarantee you look back in a year and go, yeah, that was for a reason. My, I, I even sat here and appreciated that even though I wasn't enjoying it, there will be a time when I'm toppers, I'm flat out, I'm working and I'm busy. I would give anything to be sat on a beach in Portugal. So like, even though I wasn't enjoying that, that bit there, I knew that I would look back on it and be grateful that I'd had that time for myself. I even reflect back on times in training, lying on Dartmoor, thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I even doing this? But I look back and laugh, and they're some of the best times, some of the best times of my life. Well, when I was freezing cold, laughing, because I was so cold, I couldn't hold anything. But I laugh about those all the time. It's like jumping in the seal last year. That was a great experience. I loved getting freezing cold and like getting to the point where I couldn't use any of my limbs. It sounds stupid, but in adversity, and it's something we found out a lot about. Adversity breeds challenge and challenge brings great memories. So I think these things contain experience. But if you just get used to nothing, if you don't get up, you don't do anything, you don't get cold, you don't get down, you don't get 
really happy. It's just a very mundane existence. And I don't think we're ever designed for that. I think we're designed to experience highs and lows. You need the sacrifice reward cycle. If you if you take the sacrifice out of it and just reward yourself, then you're just lowering your dopamine threshold and it's a very bad route to go down. I was walking through Edinburgh. It was I'd had a stag do there and it was the day after the lads had gone. And I'd been to this, we'd, we'd gone to this Italian cafe and I really wanted to go to this Italian cafe. And it was pissing it down and it was raining. And it sort of dawned on me, like, I couldn't remember the last time I'd walked through the rain. You know, like, we 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 are so comfortable. Well, like, right now I'm not, right now I'm freezing. I've got all my warmers on and I'm freezing. <laughs> like, right now I'm not comfortable. But in life, generally, we are just too comfortable. We, we get cold, we put the heating on, we get... We get hot, we put the air conditioning on. We get thirsty, we have a drink, we get hungry, we eat, we snack, it rains, we stay inside. Like we just live in such a and and I was walking, walking to this cafe, and it's just because I wanted to go to this Italian cafe that I was walking through the rain. But I, I thought, man, I, I can't even remember the last time I got wet in the rain, or when was the last time that I was really hungry? Or I can tell you the last time I was really cold. <laughs> right now. <laughs> now but, um, <laughs> but um yeah, we don't, we don't. We don't put ourselves, and you need to have the challenge. You need to have that sacrifice and then reward yourself. So often as well, we will we will do something. We will have a challenge. We will oh, I'll have a, whatever it might be, salad for lunch or going out for a run. But then we berate ourselves and, and go, oh, I didn't run far enough. I didn't run fast enough. And it's, it's yeah, sacrifice, reward. And it's, yeah, we, we, we need those two things. It's interesting what you said though as well. I think there's a difference between analyzing with an intent to progress regardless of time frame as opposed to just beating yourself up for it so if you say do you know what i'm going to do better i'm going to try and improve this at some point there's no time frame i'm just going to keep putting all into it and see what happens that's very different to saying that was horrendous that was really bad i'm just not going to bother doing this again expecting to achieve olympic standard within your first run back after taking 10 years off. Everything's a balanced approach. And sometimes it's just about looking at the long game. So when I was balancing on my hands in the initial stages, all I could think about was like, this has to happen and this has to happen. And in the end, it's like two years later, three years later, okay, what am I doing today? And you can start letting your mind wander because you're so much more efficient at something. So when you were doing your magic trick, you'd rehearse that a hundred times, a thousand times, and it's second nature. So you can start thinking about other things. So the thing I had to do was make sure that I kept upgrading the skill. I had to find something else that challenged me. And if you're so good at one thing, not to, I'm definitely not saying I am, you can go and pick something else and try and excel at an instrument or whatever it might be, something that just puts you completely out of your comfort zone and that keeps you present. It's good being a beginner as well. Someone asked me, so my, my jiu-jitsu journey is, it reflects the amount of time I've put into it so because I'm traveling around a lot I, I really don't get to roll often and I would love to be rolling three four times a week so again it, it'd be easy to berate myself and go like I should be this level now and I'm not uh, but it, it reflects the amount of time that I've put into it yeah so being, being a beginner someone said to me is it daunting because you're, you're such a beginner so it's like it's such you've got so long so much progress to make and and I said, no, no, it's, it's the, completely the opposite way around. Because I'm such a beginner, every single time I go on the mat, I'm learning so much. Like, I'm learning these big moves, sweeps, submissions, chokes. Like, as I progress, I move up, then I'll be refining those techniques. But at the moment, I'm learning so much. So it's like, yeah, the com completely opposite. 
But I think what you're, what you're saying just then as well is, is absolutely the key. And it goes back to what you mentioned earlier um, about we're, we're moving so fast. We're always trying to get stuff done. We're always moving very quickly. And we're in it for the long run. And essentially, it's only, it's, it's you. It's you and your life, you know. So finding enjoyment in the process and being present in the process, I think is definitely the key. Just because someone's grading means that they are particular grading within this subject doesn't mean that they've not experienced countless other things in different walks of life. So what someone brings to the mat uh, or to the dojo is that they're, they're bringing life experience. So they might show you something completely different to the way you've done it. And you go, whoa, and this person might have had like 30 years of training or you might have personally, but they might just show you something that changes everything in your life. And that's why I think it's so important to understand a beginner in anything should be listened to. We, we should always make time for people, even if they're perceived to be beginners, because they might be experts in another field. They might have 40 years experience in a different martial art. How, how do we know that they don't? Yeah. Life has a way of sort of telling us sometimes that status doesn't matter um, and not to judge people based upon their wealth, their stature in society, all these things, whether you were in the military, whether you weren't, and this is something I've learned over the years. You are human first and foremost, and then we do things. The art is trying to be with the things that we're doing. That's that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. I remember my point as well. Go for it. It was just something I, I started doing maybe like a week ago or, it, and it's just literally so, so in the, enjoying the process, just trying, you know, being more present, but being, enjoy it and be happy and, and smile. Like I've started smiling a lot more and I will, and I'll be driving, you know, maybe at traffic lights, I'll look over, there'll be some geezer in the van next to me, I'll smile, I'll laugh, and the eels fan laugh. And that will that will then last for a little bit. And then I might tell I might tell you about it. That I seen a guy in the van, he smiled at me, which did happen, and I smiled at him. And it just is it's weird. There's like nothing there, but it's I think smile more. Like just just smile. <laughs> not in a creepy way, not in a but just like be be more smiley, you know. I see photos of me and I look so miserable. And my, my excuse for it is like my beard's so heavy, it just pulls my face down. But like <laughs> I'm smiling, but I'm just trying to like openly smile more. Man, you need to need to shave, shave a little bit more of a gap out then, just so you can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smiling's infectious. This is again going back to Thailand. Everyone needs to smile. Like everyone would always smile. All the locals, you'd smile and they'd wave, and it was always that. And then I realized it came back. I came back to certain areas of England and it was one in 10 you might get a smile back from. I've had it before, like I'll, I'll smile and someone will just look at me like, what the hell are you smiling for? <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry, dude. You know, it's like, um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't always go well, but there's a lot of times when you will catch someone's eyes, smile, nod, you know, it's, and it's just nice. So obviously you've had a bit of time to reflect What's next for you, buddy? What, what have you got planned over the next few months? This month's always like Christmas time is always a busy time. So I've got Christmas gigs lined up. So it's I'm going into quite a busy period now. Looking forward to after Christmas, what I've identified is in my life, I'm lacking stability, uh, consistency, purpose, direction. I'm lacking a, a few things. I'm lacking the tribe, you know, and it's so for me now, I'm totally ready to, to start building a base. And I've identified that base needs to be in the Southwest. So I've got the lads. 
So my it's going to be like, yeah, big move for me now. Uh, January time, I'm going to be heading down to, I don't even like Plymouth. <laughs> I don't I don't like it, but everything it offers me. Like I've got the lads there. So um, you've got Ben Wadham has got the Pantheon gym. Ben Wadham is like such a good guy. And again, he's, yeah, he's always there. He, he'll reach out to me, he'll ring me. He's like, how are you doing? You know, and he, he'll just get straight on the phone. He's always supported me. He's, he's such a good guy. There's so many good guys down there. But it was a combination of Ben Wadham opening up the Pantheon. Uh, I want him to coach me. I want to be strong. So I want him to coach me. Then Sam Sheriff, uh, again, low. I really look up to Sam Sheriff, uh, created Reorg, the, the uh, Marines, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, and he put Reorg mats down in the Pantheon. So if I go down there, I can train with Ben. I can roll with the lads there, roll with Sam. And then also Ben does a, a sea swimming thing round, round Plymouth. They go sea swimming and have coffee afterwards. And I've got this idea that I want to be making the coffee in the van, you know, like lads come to the van, like just this. I want to get, I, I want to give to them already because I feel like I'm going to get so much. But then the, just the social interaction, going, going for food with the lads, building that, that base. So that's, that's the kind of next step for me. Um, something that we're working on, not even, not even touch on this. Me and my bro were scratching around trying to like find some purpose in life. And we thought, what if we kind of take everything away? What do we enjoy doing? We've got like magic's in there. My brother's um, into history and storytelling. We've got adventure. We've got motorbikes. And we're like, let's put something together with this. So we've, it was in 2019, we were, we were going to go off riding, September 2019. And we thought, actually, we're going to be hitting winter. We'll wait till, we'll wait till spring 2020, which obviously didn't work out. When, when the UK eased its restrictions in, in May this year, we then did a trip. So the initial trip, the initial trip we were going to do was to ride back from India, uh, coming over the Himalayas, living on the motorbikes for like six months, you know, not rushing it at all, going super steady, performing magic to the locals that we met um, and then doing sort of doing magic related to their their mythology there like so the, you know imagine these kind of little villages out out in the out in the middle of nowhere and they have their legends and their mythology like almost capturing those stories and bringing them back and retelling those stories and we put it together so it's called the motor vikings me and my brother so me and my brother were kind of claiming viking because we we're both born in york which was the viking capital of the country years ago and we traced our family back we've in york for hundreds of years um, and then our last name, Stott, is actually a Viking word. So we were like, right, right, we're Vikings. Let's jump on that. So we call it like the motor Vikings, but it's magic myths and motorbikes. Now, the big trip for India isn't going to happen, I don't think, because it's the logistical nightmare and there's some ropey areas that we'd be riding through. So what we've done is just scale back. We, we did a trip in May from London to Ben Nevis, climbed Ben Nevis with Rock to Recovery, performed the highest magic trick in the country. Along the way, we stopped at Eam, which was uh, is called the Plague Village. And they just, they did like self-sacrifice themselves. The plague in, in the 1600s went to Eam and they just self-isolated and took the hit. And there's some horrendous stories of, of their self-sacrifice to stop it spreading in that area. And then just last month, I think it was, we did a trip through the, through the Alps and we wanted to ride back in time and we, there were three points that we stopped at. So we started in the Italian Alps uh, from World War One, the Via Ferratas, the tunnels, the trenches. And I found a shell casing going through these tunnels. It was crazy. And we were filming at the time, which was brilliant. Um, we went to the middle of the Alps where Napoleon took his men through the St. Bernard's Pass. And then we went over to the west 
going even further back in time where Hannibal took the war elephants over to go attack Rome. And it's this, I'm a Marine, I'm interested in other lads, other soldiers who have crossed these, this mountain range before me. And luckily I've got my bro who's just absolutely clued up with everything. And he's like, yeah, this happened here, this happened here, like spinning the dits, telling me about it all. And then we did magic as well. We were performing in the bars and cafes and we we finished with like this big, crazy levitation on top of the mountain and filmed it 360 degree with a drone. I'll send you a photo after this because it's sick. I need to see that. And it's on top of the mountain. Uh, it's Yeah. I'm a, at, the, at the moment, my bro's editing these videos um, and we're really just trying to work out what direction we push it. So going into next year, um, there's, there's potential that we tour around the country. If we're doing it all ourselves, just literally booking out uh, like village halls, British legions, we'd have magic in there. It'd be a, be a talk. We'd play some videos and hopefully offer some takeaways. So like this, this year has been a lot of, I've learned a lot and I've implemented a lot. Uh, so it'd be really just sharing stuff, uh, but just stuff that I've learned that is beneficial and just sharing that information. There's the move, the move to the Southwest. There's the Magic Myths and Motorbikes kind of tour. My bro wants to do a, a, a podcast on that, just talk like mythology podcast. And then, yeah, there's a couple other things in the pipeline, but I feel like this year has been hard. I've been, I've been very low this year and I feel like I'm, I'm just carving out a new life for myself. Like I'm going to be starting a new life. And that's an incredible next few months. It sounds like just at baseline at the minute, mate. It's almost like you've you've. I always come back to um, was it Free Solo? Was it the movie? Things that really stood out for me on that film were like how they got to a certain point and they stayed there for a long time, and they just on the plateau, just stayed there for months or years, just trying to get up to this one bit. And I see it with all types of training. Sometimes trying to learn a skill. Sometimes you stay exactly in the same spot for for years i literally feel like i've got to a plateau in some of my practices but i know deep down that at some point it's just going to go boom and that's it and every practitioner i talk to every artist every musician they all go through it at some point and i think it's just a natural evolution you feel like you're at rock bottom but what you've actually done you're not a rock bottom you're 100 foot up you're 200 foot up and you just sat there for a bit those repetitions are still getting banked you might not feel like you're progressing, but if you're if you're just maintaining it, you're looking around. Is there anything else I can be doing? Yeah, it's it's it still all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, and you'll know more than ever, I'm sure. When with this next phase kicking off, I'm sure you'll go. Do you know what? I know exactly what I want to do now because I need that time to step back and go. What am I doing? Am I doing this for money or am I doing it for enjoyment? And it nearly always turns back to enjoyment for for most people, I think. Yeah, man, I've I've been super lost this year. I still feel. I was going to say I still feel lost now, but actually, one, I don't want to keep reconfirming this thing that I'm lost and low. Like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely, I, I don't think I am anymore. I've got my, I've got my sights set on the the new route ahead. And coming back to the UK, got back Sunday night. These last few days have been amazing, you know. So I got I got to the gym yesterday, which was was great to be back in the gym. Brian Woods running running at the moment a mile for every every person lost, every soldier lost, and so he's doing. I uh, like a marathon every day for 20 odd days. You know, he's finishing on Thursday. And, like I run every morning. So I was like, Brian, like I'm, I'm actually quite close to you. Like I'll, I'll come run with you and, you know, maybe offer some support. Um, there's another guy, Barry Parker, who's an absolute legend and his family, such a beautiful family. And they just, they've welcomed me in. 
they fed me. <laughs> you know, they just everyone's been so kind. And I've, there's another guy, um, Ant Lambert, the Mad Explorer, ex Bootneck, and he's he's just ah, he's a legend. He's a brother. He has the same van as me. So like when we meet up, we just put the vans together, build the Megatron, got wets on, <laughs> music on it, like ah, uh, you know, dishing out the scram. Just it's such it's such good stuff. That wholesome brotherly love like social interaction like i've been super lonely but also like self-inflicted loneliness in the like i said i've got this massive feeling of unease inside of me and i wanted to sit with it without being distracted by the lads just to sit with it and work out what is going on but equally as well we're not we're not meant to just be happy and looking at my situation it would be strange for me to feel content when i haven't got much stability i'd also question contentment contentment is quite a uh, it's something we need to reflect on i think in some ways it's a nice thing but i think you need that imbalance with a little bit of instability because that instability is going to drive you to excel somewhere else because otherwise if you're just content you're just going to live with what you've got just based upon being in a similar place in terms of how i felt in the past as well uh, is i always felt it was that point that you grow from man it's been so good to, to catch up and chat the final question i always ask on this podcast is to finish every podcast, I'm keen to leave the listeners with some simple routines that they can adopt and apply on a daily basis. You've probably covered these already, but what principles would be at the top of your list to form the foundations or essentials of human health, or in other words, a human first approach? Well, something that I learned in January was just the importance of sleep. Like we really need decent sleep. So getting better sleep in, in that you know, turning lights and screens off before you go into bed, really preparing to have a good night's sleep. And then on the morning, as soon as you wake up, just get outside. You need to see that morning light into your eyes on the morning. This stops the melatonin production, which is what makes you feel uh, tired. And it really just kickstarts your circadian rhythm. And you don't have to do anything. Literally just step outside and look at, just look at the sky two minutes whilst you're having a, a coffee or whatever, whatever it is you do in the morning. If you want to increase it a little bit, you could go for a little jog, which is just warming up the core. And again, just kickstarting that circadian rhythm. And, and if, you, if you wanted to bolster on something else, you could finish that with a cold shower. Um, again, it's, it's just training discipline. It's, it's putting something in front of you that you literally don't want to do and stepping into it. So you're conditioning yourself to step forwards into challenge. Um, you know, because if you if you always condition yourself to hide under the duvet, then when that when that big curveball comes, which inevitably it's coming, we're all going to have like real hard times in our life. When that comes, it's it's going to be so much harder to deal with. Human interaction, social interaction. Just go and see your mates, talk to your mates, have a virtual coffee over WhatsApp video call or something like that, FaceTime. Third thing would be just try and be physical every day. Get out with, and it doesn't. The thing is, none of this has to be crazy. It could literally be walk for two minutes down the road and back in. But if you if you set this as a solid morning routine that you get up and you just walk down the road for two minutes and you come back in and you just have that consistency, you could you can then take it anywhere you want. You can then build it up into running if you want to. But straight away from having that solid morning consistency, like you like we said before, you're you're taking ownership, you're dictating how you start the day. And from that, you get like a little dopamine hit because you're like, wow, yeah, I got up, I got up and I got out. You get a dopamine hit. If you've done a little run, you get the endorphin hit as well. You're kickstarting your skating rhythm. It's such a, a natural way to, to start 
do it. So like we said, going back to basics, and like I said at the very start, I don't even call them basics anymore. I call it the essentials. Awesome, man. Thanks, James. Such a good conversation. Looking forward to, to hanging out again soon. It's been a few years since um, met you initially, but obviously I've followed your work for a, whilst you've been sort of moving around the country and on TV and stuff. So it's been really good to, to see where you've gone with this stuff. And I'm sure the next months and years are going to be incredible for you. Oh, thank you, man. It's really, really good to chat to you. Really good to see you. Um, and, and it'd be, be awesome if I, if I catch you next Friday. Awesome. Thanks, mate. All right. Cheers, man. Thank you for joining myself and James for this episode. To find out more about James and the organisations that he is currently involved with, please head to the links in the show notes. To help us to continue to share these habits with others, please subscribe, like and share the podcast, all of which is massively appreciated. Thank you again and I will see you on the next episode.